Thank you for tuning in to Far Better, where we look to be pleasing to God in this life so our eternity is far better. I'm your host, Michael Clark, and again with me on this episode is Barry Kennedy from the East Main Church of Christ. Barry, it's good to have you again on the program. Good to be back with you. And Kevin Rutherford from Warner's Chapel Church of Christ. It's good to have you, Kevin. Pleased to be here. We're glad to be talking about faith And we've been talking in the last episode about a faithless life, what that looks like, a life without faith, uh, examples of people who didn't have faith, what happens in our afterlife if we don't have faith, and whether or not we could get our parents' faith and be pleasing to God. And it was a great discussion. If you haven't heard that one, I encourage you to go back and listen to it because this kind of builds upon that. But we're talking in this episode, kind of finishing up some of our thoughts about it, and so the first question I have is, what is the best information in the Bible about faith? Ultimately, I guess you would begin with one that many of us know very well, Romans ten seventeen. So right. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Of course, as we defined in our last episode, depends on what faith you're talking about, but the faith, the soul-saving faith, it, it's only going to come from God's Word. It always has and always will. And to say that I have faith in God, but I don't know his word, is really impossible. So I, that's, that has to be the foundation of where you would begin talking about faith. Kevin? Well, I think Romans chapter 4 is important because it shows us that we need to have a faith like that of Abraham. And his faith was one that was characterized, at least later in his life, by complete and full trust in God. And then you can see James chapter 2, a little bit more information about the faith of Abraham, and you see that because he had this full and whole, complete trust in God, it showed itself in his life, in his actions, in what he did, in the way he lived. Uh, But, of course, uh, one of the greatest chapters on faith is one that shows us a number of examples of tremendous men and women of faith, and that would be Hebrews chapter 11. Yeah, the idea that God would raise Isaac from the dead when there was no knowledge that that had ever happened, is immense faith. And the idea that faith has to come by hearing, hearing by the word of God, well, God had told Abraham, you're going to have a son in whom all nations will be blessed, and you know this is the seed promise I'm giving to you through Isaac, your son. And so Abraham says, that hadn't happened yet, the way that he promised, so he evidently isn't done with Isaac, so he'll bring him back. And the absolute obedience that came with that to where the angel had to stop Abraham. And I think sometimes we overlook that. It, it, it appears that Abraham was already beginning to swing and that the angel stops him or that he was getting ready to swing and the angel stops him and says, no, 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 don't do, you know, we know you're willing to do this. And so that's the type of faith that we're talking about instilling is if God tells me to move a mountain, I'll say, where do you want it to go? Because I know if you tell me to move a mountain, you're going to help me be able to do it. In his mind, he sacrificed him. In yeah. his mind, he had done this. That's and, exactly right. And that, uh, all the illustrations in Hebrews 11 do show this, but it, it begins with that first verse, which is exactly what we see in that account with Abraham and Isaac. Faith is the substance or foundation, the bedrock. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. He had never seen someone raised from the dead, mm-hmm. but he believed that. He trusted that because of the foundation that he had of who God is and how he had heard his word and trusted him in the past. He had taken care of him up to that point. We hear from God's word what? We hear how God has taken care of his people from the beginning of time, and we trust him that he will continue to do that today. So when he said this, it came to pass, that's trustworthy. If I tell my children I'm going to do this and I don't, they don't trust me. Right. And then I have to prove it to them. And if I prove it to them, then it's on them, not me. 
But God has always been trustworthy to keep his word. As we see through this chapter, they trusted him in that, and that's why they had that proper foundation. So who then sticks out in Hebrews 11? I know that's a tough question to ask, but maybe maybe each one has a different person because a lot of names are mentioned. So who sticks out to you, Kevin? Well, obviously there are some tremendous uh, men and women of great courage and faith in Hebrews chapter 11 who looked toward heaven, who looked toward their eternal home, and that was a major factor in them being so courageous in their faith. Uh, but I think one of the ones that stands out to me is Moses. Uh, I like what the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11 about Moses because Moses was one who had access to power and wealth. And yet he gave that up in order that he might follow God. He gave that up because of his faith. And in following God, understanding that things were going to be difficult, in fact, they were very difficult uh, for Moses. And yet he was humble, he was uh, courageous, and perhaps one of uh, the greatest leaders, national leaders the world has ever known because of his great faith and and that decision to give up uh, what could be the pleasures of sin for a season and the comforts of wealth. Barry? I'm going to dodge the question. (laughs) <laughs> because, but but with a with a reason, I have a hard time picking. As you said earlier, this is difficult. I have a hard time picking, but it, I think that's God's wisdom. Because at times I'm going to go to that I might need that lesson that He was just talking about. Right. Maybe I'm tempted with riches. Maybe I'm tempted with pleasures. Maybe I'm tempted with that. But I may, may also be a time where I'm needing to realize sacrifice, and I go to Abraham, and so. To answer this question, to me, it really goes back to the one the one passage in there, that, or one verse in that, that chapter that really stands out is verse 38. Because he's just listed all the things that have taken place. He's listed all these names specifically, and then he goes through a, a bullet points just real quick. Mm-hmm. I don't, we don't have time to talk about all of those. But then he says in verse 38, of whom the world was not worthy. That stands out to me because God in heaven is, in essence, through inspiration of the Hebrew writer saying, all these people who were martyred, the world was not worthy of them. That's God's view. And that leads very well into the next chapter as well. But God, the world's not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. These all having obtained a good report by faith. If they can do that, he's, tell, he's telling me I can do this too. And right. that's why I went to that section instead yeah. of one individual. Because I'm going to read this chapter one day. I need to focus on this one because that's where I, my, sure. my strength is going to come. And you stole the section I had prepared to talk about, so good on you. Uh, no. <laughs> I think you're right, though, that these people, the world wasn't worthy of them. And yet we spend so much time looking up to people that are not worthy of Christ because of the way they live. And so I, th- I really think the idea there is... The world is not worthy of people who are so faithful because they're so great in their example and in their leadership, and the world is not that way, that the world doesn't deserve them, and yet they got them anyway. Whereas now, we deserve to get rid of some of the people that are leading in the social media age or leading in Hollywood, leading in music, leading in other things, and yet the world clings to these people. And it's this idea that if I have a faith and a leadership like that, faith that God's standard is the way that I need to go, not that I'll be perfect because you mentioned Moses. We know Moses wasn't perfect. Moses didn't see the promised land in as far as getting to live inside of it because of his actions. Uh, we know that a lot of these individuals, if not all of them, had moments in their life 
where they struggled. Now, we may not have read about them in Scripture, but, I mean, even Rahab, who is a harlot, and she's called a harlot in this chapter. I'm told that God can take people who are not necessarily the best of people and with faith in him and his word and doing what he says, turn the world into something better because of them and to aid the world in something better. But what I take away the most from Hebrews 11 and with faith are the places like Abraham with Isaac, who had never seen somebody raised from the dead, the walls of Jericho falling, which if I told the people here at this camp, march around the school building seven times over seven, you know, and give them all those same instructions, the school's not going to fall. But it did with the walls of Jericho. And that was something that had anybody not done that, had anybody in that group started to doubt and started to question, like Joshua and Caleb dealt with, where 10 said, no, we can't do it, then the land wouldn't have been theirs. And so I look at that faith that was shown by, we will walk around Jericho, we will destroy the city, and God told us it's going to fall. Boy, I believe it's going to fall. God told me he's going to flood the earth, but that my boat will float. I believe it. But the thing that's true about this, too, to, to kind of point out, had Rahab not hang, hung a scarlet cord outside her house, she, she and her family would have died. Had anybody else built a boat and not done what God had said, it wouldn't have floated. If Noah said, well, look, I, I don't want to get gopher wood. I'm, I'm going to get this wood instead. I, I don't think that's the right dimension for the ark. Faith is even though you don't understand everything that's going on, you trust in the one who does. And that's what I read about these individuals. They didn't always understand certain things, but they did them because they trusted in the one who did. That's that's why we have God's word. That's why we have this chapter. That's why we read about, you mentioned Moses, Numbers 20 and 12. God said to him, because you believed me not to sanctify me before the people, you're not going to enter into my rest. Well, we know very clearly Moses never stopped believing God exists. But what did he do? He did the opposite of what God told him. Instead of speaking to the rock, he smote the rock. So God equated in that sense disobedience and faithlessness. If you didn't, you didn't believe me to do what I said and the end result. So why is that there? To belittle Moses? No, we've read Moses in a positive light from Hebrews 11. But to teach us, and, and that's, that's something I think when we read Hebrews 11, we need not lose sight that or, or glorify these people that I could never be a Moses. Moses didn't believe he could be a Moses. He argued with God. He right, made Exodus 4. Right. And none of these others uh, looked at themselves as being some great something. They just acted on faith. And he's teaching you and me we can do the same thing. Right. Kevin, you got something you want to add? Well, I think what you're pointing to is the context, really, uh, Hebrews chapter 11, as it fits within the book of Hebrews. Right. You have a letter that was written to Christians who were weakening, Christians who were beginning to fall away. And the warnings are given motivations are given for them to remain faithful and the warnings are given concerning the dangers of being unfaithful uh, throughout the book of Hebrews including chapter 10 just prior to what we see in chapter 11 so they need to remain faithful here's what's going to happen if you don't now you can do it as we get toward the end of chapter 10 let me show you how you can do it you can be like these people these people as you all mentioned are not perfect people and yet, despite the times when they did sin and despite their faults, they continued to grow. They continued to mature. When they had their problems, they got right back up, and they went right back at it trying to faithfully serve God. And we can do that. And the letter, uh, those to whom this letter was written to were t being told, you can do that. You can be like these people. And these people were those of whom the world was not worthy, 
because, not that they were perfect, but because they were dedicated and devoted in their faith and because they themselves knew they were pilgrims and strangers here on the earth, that this world was not their home, that they had something better that was coming, and that's what they were focused on. Living above this world. Living above. And what are these individuals painted as doing for us in chapter 12? In verse 1. Being a witness for us, being an example to us. And, it, you know, I, when I went through school, it was the, the pictures depicted as and painted before you as they're cheering you on and they want you to win. And, that you know, we did it. You can do it, just like we've been talking about. And this great cloud of witnesses, I mean, you know, we, we love sports in our world and we idolize certain people's ability to play with a ball. And that seems odd and funny because... It's what my son likes to do, but we we will watch people for hours on end play with a ball. And it's enjoyable. It's exciting. And, boy, if you ever get to meet some of them that you like, you really enjoy that. And you you take a picture with them. You'll talk to them about it. And it's, it's awesome to get to sit down with someone that you've watched on television and get to have a moment with them. But then you think about the fact that, while it's great that they do something in, in football or in basketball, hockey, whatever sport they do, that doesn't increase my faith. Now, I've met with certain basketball players and certain athletes that are Christian. That increases my faith because I look at them like I look at these individuals. Here's an individual that is in a volatile situation, perhaps, and still able to maintain a good godly faith. And why? They're just as dedicated as those we saw in Hebrews 11. And what I'm seeing in Hebrews Hebrews 12 and verse 1 is that we run with endurance the race that's set before us, knowing we can finish— because they finished. And I look at imperfect people being an imperfect man and realize if they reach the finish line, I can do it. And we do that by looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Jesus is the one who does that for me. And with and with and for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down on the right hand at the right-hand throne of God. Jesus has provided a way for me to win. He provided a way for all of those from chapter 11 to win. Had Jesus not died, what would have been the state of those in Hebrews 11? What would have been the state of anybody? We'd be lost. We'd be lost. No hope. No hope. And Jesus says, I'm going to come. I'll die. You finish the race that I've set before you. And we have this great cloud of witnesses. And it is, it is very impressive. The other night, we had the talent show. And it's amazing how the talent show works when people get really involved in it and they're clapping and they're cheering along, all of a sudden you notice the person performing become a little bit more bold, become a little bit more strong in their performance and a little bit more comfortable. And why do you think that is? Except for the fact that they feel, okay, I can do this. They're telling me I can do this. But it's like the verse says, we're compassed about. Yeah. Seeing you're compassed. You see that. Yeah. You wit- You realize yeah. this. That's why we read this not just as a story and not just something to take up some time. We read this and we meditate upon this and we think about what they really did. And you're compassed about, you've got them as you, great terminology, cheering us on. Then we have a responsibility. It first start with lay aside the weight yeah. of sin that easily besets you. You don't want anything slowing you down in this. Get rid of those things and then run with endurance, with patience, King James Version, but run with endurance the race that is set before you. I tell my children this, I can't run your race for you. Right. This is my race. Right. Paul came to the end of his life. He said, I have finished my course. I have kept 
the faith, right? So that's, that's this part that we can do this because of what they did. We're accomplished with that great cloud of witnesses. And that word witness is interesting. In the original language, we get our word martyr. And look at the deaths of, of many of these people he just mentioned. And then he goes into verse 2 and talks about the death of Christ for us. That's how we can do this, as we hold on to that example and that, that foundation. One of the things, Kevin, that I think is so impressive about all of this is the fact that the disciples' faith was so strong that they were willing to suffer for it and willing to be beaten for it and willing to die for it. Um, Paul, you know, says at the end, I'm ready. You know, take me. And he was ready before that even. He says in Philippians, look, I would rather go and be with the Lord for Philippians 123. That's where this podcast name is based because to be with the Lord is far better. And I'd much rather be with God so I'm ready to go at any time. When God's ready to call me home, so to speak, I'll run to him. But I'm going to fight for as long as I can down here to instill faith and try to help other people get what I have so that others can feel how I feel and gain what I'm going to gain, that crown of righteousness. We don't have persecution in the church in America. But it does exist in the world. So how? I guess this is a good way to kind of end the program with this last question. What advice would we give to people who need to increase their faith? And as a second part of that, especially if persecution comes back to America. Well, we've been hitting on it already in talking about men and women of great faith who did suffer many things and yet remained faithful to God and in that showing us that it can be done. With God's help, we can overcome uh, the obstacles that, that will, will face us because we have faith in God. And it's interesting that you made the connection between Hebrews chapter 11 and the Apostle Paul because in Hebrews chapter 11 we see the examples of these men and women who ran this long-distance endurance race of faith, and they made it. They stumbled at times, but you get back up, and they made it. And then we go into chapter 12, and it's almost as if they are there to encourage us and strengthen us. And, and, it, and it's a picture. It's a symbol. They're not literally doing that. Uh, but it's almost as if now it's our turn to run the race, and we have the support and encouragement from them that we get when we read about them to, to keep us going and to help us to have the endurance we need to run the race. So as Paul knows he's about to die, he says, I'm already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I've kept the faith. Finally, there's laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, and not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. So Paul says he's finished the race. He's about to die. That's the end. That's the finish line. And so our goal is to remain faithful to God as long as we live. When we pass from this life into the next, we've reached the finish line. And so motivating us to... Uh, remain faithful to God even when times are difficult. Obviously, are things such as evidences, things such as the scriptures, uh, those things that build our, our faith, uh, but examples of others as well, uh, motivating us to, to get to the end. Also, though, is the fact that that's where the reward is. That's what we are running for. We're running to be ready to die. Mm -hmm. When a brother or sister in Christ leaves this life and goes into the next, there's sorrow in the sense that we will miss their presence for a time. But there's also joy in knowing they made it. They finished the race. They have crossed the finish line, and there's great rejoicing. You mentioned the loving his appearing, and I, I've often likened that to when we were small children, 
my mom and dad would go on a date and they would perhaps, you know, we had done something that had gotten us into trouble and so we had guidelines to clean the house while they were gone, which was their right as parents to tell us to do. Well, there were times where they would leave and we would goof off. We wouldn't do anything. When those headlights hit the window, we didn't love their appearing. And we couldn't love their appearing because we hadn't faithfully done what they had set out for us to do. However, when we decided that because mom and dad told us that this was something we need to do, and we understood that to be pleasing to mom and dad was to obey what they said, and because we loved our mom and dad, we wanted to do what they said, we would begin to clean. And it was almost to the point where one particular time, if I remember correctly, they came home early. And neither one of us in the household, neither, neither of the three of us, were scared and frustrated that they came home early because we were doing what we were supposed to do. We were faithfully doing what we were set out to do. And the idea depicted there in my mind has always been, if I am a faithful child of God, I won't be afraid when I hear the trumpet sound and when I hear the voice of the archangel and God calls back all of his ones back to be home with him, to meet him in the air and ever be with the Lord, First Thessalonians I won't worry about that, but if I don't, it's going to be too late, and on top of that, not only will I know it's too late, but I'll also tremble in his presence. Barry, you have any final comments for this episode? In 2 Thessalonians, you were mentioning 1 Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, we focus sometimes on verse 8 and verse 9, in flaming fire taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel. That's reality. That's true. They're not ready. Right. Right. Uh, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord, from the glory of his power. But that's in a context of him telling them, you who are troubled, you who are persecuted, rest with us. When the Lord shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels. He's coming back, yes, in flaming fire to take vengeance on them. But he's talking to Christians who are prepared, who are ready. And he says to them, rest with us. It's the same mindset that I see when I, I conclude the book of Revelation. And I hear John saying, Lord, come quickly. Mm-hmm. I'm ready for you. I, I long to be with you. Uh, we're, we're to seek the Lord. We're to sanctify him in our hearts, and then we're to serve him. The idea that's going to come and talking about encouraging one another and helping each other increase our faith, we, we focus on 1 Corinthians 15, 33, and how evil communications will corrupt good morals and good manners. That's true. If that's true on the negative sense, what about the positive? If evil communications corrupt, what about good communications? What about Proverbs chapter 27, 17, iron sharpeneth iron, so a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend? And encouraging one another and strengthening one another and growing in grace. Peter says at the end of his second epistle, Second uh, Peter chapter 3, verse 18, you can't stay the same. Right. Grow. Grow in what? Grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And you're going to grow in your faith. And as I grow in my faith, I can't stay the same way. I'm not going to be showing the same Barry Kennedy to Michael Clark or Kevin Rutherford or, or my wife or my children. And that's God's plan is to strengthen one another in iron sharpening iron. The Bible says that the apostles once said to the Lord, Lord, increase our faith. And oftentimes that's exactly what we need to be saying today. Lord, increase my faith. How does that happen? God will not miraculously increase my faith. God will not, you know, touch down with his hand on, upon my forehead and all of a sudden instill a righteousness within me. No, like Solomon, I have to realize that what God has to say is the supreme. What God's will for me is the only way I find a value in life, is the only way I find meaning. Solomon tried so many different things, and they were worthless. 
They were vanity, grasping for the wind. And he finally said, then I realized, essentially, serving God is what matters, doing what the Lord says. And he then put the same amount of energy, the same amount of time and effort into the Lord's work, into the Lord's will. And that's how he could end the chapter saying, then I found it. I, I, I realized it. This is the conclusion of man. This is the whole of man's life is to fear God and keep his commandments. And that is exactly what I find throughout the New Testament pages too. I find the New Testament church serving God so faithfully. And when they weren't, I find them being rebuked by whether it was Paul in the situation of Corinth or Galatia or whether it would have been Peter with situations of reminding people in the first century church and the first century Christians, this is how to deal with suffering properly. Here's how you handle these matters. I see people being encouraged to keep on keeping on. And in our world today, instead of just kind of saying, well, it's the parent's job to do this. Yes, it is the parent's job to teach their children when they have them. But you mentioned iron sharpening iron. We all have a member at church that we are just so blessed to have at that congregation. And they are one of the best examples that our children can see, that the children in the congregation could see. And I want to have that person around my children as much as possible. And I want them to be around me as much as possible. That's how our faith can increase even more is be of like-minded faith. So, Kevin, do you have any final comments for this episode before we close it out? Well, you've said so many very, very important things that relate to the fact that our faith can be strengthened. It can be built. It can be built in such a way by the power of the Word of God, by the power of the truth and evidence, uh, by the power of our Christian associations, by the power of of prayer whereby we pour out our hearts uh, unto God. And so there's there's some practical ways there. And when our faith does grow and mature, then we get to the point where because of the love of God and all that he has done for us and our response to the love of God, uh, we don't have to fear the judgment in the sense that uh, others who are not ready would have to fear that judgment. And then along the way, what we want to do is not only make sure to the best of our ability that we are pleasing God, but we also want to do the best that we can to help as many others as, as possible to come along with us. And that means uh, sharing the good news, showing the good news and the, and the power uh, and the peace and the beauty and the purity of the gospel to those that don't know Christ. But it also means uh, looking at our brothers and sisters in Christ with a tremendous love, with a recognition of the fact that Jesus Christ died for them. So I love them in that way. That's how valuable and important they are. And then doing what we can to encourage them and influence them as well. That's absolutely great. Gentlemen, I really do appreciate you being a part of the programs today. And I know our listeners have benefited from what you had to say. So thank you so much for being a part of the program. We want to thank you for listening. And we want to encourage you, just as Kevin just mentioned, that in our goal to please God, that means doing all God has told us to do, whether it is to live a godly life or to encourage others to live godly lives too. And so I hope you will resolve to please God now so that our eternity can be far better.